Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning on this second Sunday of Advent in our series, Fulfilled, Surely the Days Are Coming. Um, We are in Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 79. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The second Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of peace. Peace is something I believe we all can agree on, something we would all like to see in this world. I was reading a paper from the U.S. Institute of Peace that said the 20th century, and for those who don't know exactly when that was, it's all the 1900s, we're in the 21st century now. It can be confusing, so I just wanted to make sure we were in the same time frame. But the paper said the 20th century saw the most destructive wars in human history. Over 25 million people died. Countless more were wounded. Millions suffered from famine, plague, and dislocation brought about by wars. However, during the same century, we saw the most concerted efforts to create mechanisms for peaceful resolutions to conflicts, including major armistices, to end wars and promote lasting peace. Treaties and agreements to halt or control the spread and use of weapons, especially those of mass destruction, and the development of international standards for human rights. In 1901, the first Nobel Peace Prize was awarded with the directive that this price shall be awarded to the person who in the preceding year, and I quote, shall have done the most or best work for fraternity between nations for the abolition or reduction of standing armies and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. During the 20th century, efforts to promote peace around the world included the development of the Geneva Convention for the Humane Treatment of Prisoners of War. Mohandas Gandhi began peaceful protests using civil disobedience to bring resolution to oppression and injustice. There was the Christmas Treaty of 1914 in World War I when both sides called a truce to celebrate Christmas, the Treaty of Versailles that ended that same war. The creation of United Nations peacekeeping forces 
initially formed to maintain the peace between Israel and the Arab states. The Pugwash Conference that sought to brought, bring together scientists and public figures to work to reduce the danger of nuclear war and promote arms control. President Kennedy started the Peace Corps to promote goodwill and friendship through service to other nations. There were other conferences and treaties, organizations created, and people who worked hard to bring peace to this world in one way or another. And isn't that what we all want? Peace on earth? Zechariah sings this song, also known as the Benedictus, as the birth of his son, John the Baptist, telling the world that his son will prepare the way for the Messiah, the Savior, who will shine a light in the darkness of this world and ultimately guide us in the way of peace. But what is the way of peace? Is peace the goal or is peace the journey? Does it mean the absence of war or conflict, or does it mean more than just an end to fighting? In one of my favorite hymns, It Is Well With My Soul, the opening line is, When peace like a river attendeth my way. And I love the thought of that, peace flowing through me like a river, giving me a sense of calm. And Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What is that peace that Jesus comes to give us? Is it a world without war? Or is it a sense of well-being and calm in our souls? Can we have one without the other? Many times in this world we are restless and unsettled. We face issues that seem out of our control. And in this world of political posturing and power grabbing and pointing fingers of undermining and prejudice and uncertainty and tension, how do we find that peace in any way, shape, or form that helps us navigate this world that we have to admit is full of conflict. Zechariah sings a song to us this second Sunday of Advent that helps us discover the path to the peace that comes to us on Christmas in the form of an infant born in a cave, a baby that made his way into a world very much like ours today, that was filled with conflict and war. This infant will guide us into the way of peace, peace for our world and peace for our souls. So how do we find it, this way of peace? <clears throat> well, the first thing we need to do is get a better understanding of what kind of peace Zechariah is talking about. What is peace as it is defined here? In Isaiah 59, 8, where the same phrase, the way of peace, is used, the word translated peace in Isaiah is the Hebrew word shalom. This word is translated peace, but it does not mean absence of war or conflict. That is certainly part of it, but it goes much deeper. On the Sabbath, the normal greeting among Jewish people is Shabbat Shalom, meaning the peace of the Sabbath be with you. And this peace is meant to be a completeness, a wholeness, total well-being and a sense of security. The idea is that in every aspect of your life, both internal and external, there is only wholeness and joy. But you can't have that kind of peace on your own. It goes beyond your individual self and extends to your relationships with God and with other people. True peace is found when every person, every relationship is complete and whole without conflict. 
To have peace with God means that there are no sins that remain unforgiven and resolved. To have peace with others means the same. All conflicts have been resolved and nothing needs to be settled. All is well. Peace like a river. I don't know about you, but that seems almost impossible. For who in this world can attain that level of peace? There is always someone who doesn't agree with you, doesn't like you, or may hold a grudge against you, and maybe the feeling is mutual. Come on, how can we really be at peace with everyone? It seems a bridge too far. Continuing to define this peace Zechariah is singing about, the word he uses in the New Testament is the Greek word eirene. And the word serene comes from this word. It means this essentially the same thing as shalom, a complete sense of well-being and security. And this sense of security comes from the knowledge that all is right in our relationship with God and with others. And if we look at the definition more closely, we see that peace is a state of tranquility and harmony between individuals and nations, but more importantly, the tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, fearing no condemnation from God, and content with its earthly lot, whatever it is. Peace is not simply some external absence of war or conflict. It is not just that calm feeling we can have on the inside when we feel good about life and ourselves. True peace is only available when we actively pursue the peace of Christ in our lives and do, as Zechariah tells us, walk in the way of peace. In Isaiah 59, we read a rather critical speech about how Israel has been behaving. They believe God isn't listening to them, and Isaiah tells them that their behavior has created a barrier between them and God, starting in verse 3. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know. And there is no justice in their paths. Their roads they have made crooked. No one who walks them knows peace. See, they are living lives of violence and hate, not working for justice or the common good, but only for their own desires. And this way of living, this road they are walking on through life can never give them peace. Sound familiar? Look around. Who starts these wars? Who creates injustice, puts people in slavery, uses whatever means possible to get revenge for perceived and very real wrongs committed by others? We do. Every day, we make the choice on which road to walk. We can walk the way of conflict, or we can walk the way of peace. The hard news is that we kind of like the way of war and conflict, don't we? Often we find ourselves advocating a good fight 
because we understand war. We understand winners and losers. We understand getting what we deserve or dishing out what we believe others deserve. There are set rules for war, for conflict, and we've lived on that road so long we don't really want to go a different way because it's hard. The way of peace isn't clear. When we walk the road of peace, we can't see the future, and we may have to give up something, something of ourselves or something we would rather hang on to because we have given it value in our lives. We may have to let go of our righteous anger, our hatred, our bitterness. We may have to see someone we don't like as a valuable human being worthy of respect and love. We may have to take a good look at our own behavior and apologize to say we were wrong. Oh, Lord, don't make me do that. But Jesus comes to us to show us that peace can only come when we make ourselves vulnerable, when we give up our power in the name of promoting peace in the world. He comes as a baby. God himself, without any power at all, to show us how to gain that peace, peace that this world can never give us because it walks the way of war and sin. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he brings peace to us in three ways. Peace with God. As he carried our sins to the cross and forgave them, this gives us salvation, restores our relationship with God. Romans 8 tells us, who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Jesus restores our peace with God through the salvation he gave us on the cross and through the eternal life he gives us through his resurrection. We do not have to fear any condemnation from God when we put our faith in Christ, this is the first step on the way of peace. And Jesus came to give us peace with others. Colossians 1, 19 to 20 tells us that through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And Paul gives us a deeper understanding of our role when he says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Walking the way of peace is intentional and it takes hard work. It calls for humility, gentleness, and patience. Doing whatever it takes to maintain relationships and tear down barriers even when we just really want to lash out. It's a choice going the other way. Jesus showed us how to do that in a world that would often condemn and mistreat him. Pray for your enemies, he tells us. Love those who hate you. 
Forgive 70 times seven. Give your life for them, whatever it takes. This is how we know that peace that passes all understanding. When we continually choose to walk the way of peace, even when the world walks a different road, often working against peace of any kind. And Jesus also comes to give us peace with ourselves. We become a new creation through our faith in him. The spirit begins to work within us, changing us, leading us away from the ways of sin and hatred, giving us new hearts and helping us walk in the light and the love of Christ. We see this when anger stops being our first response, when we can stop and pray for those who try to hurt us or someone we love, when we don't automatically want revenge but instead pray for the salvation of the souls around us instead. When we go through trials and challenges and can actually rejoice knowing that God walks with us and goes before us knowing that we are never alone. When we understand deep in our souls that God works all things out for our good even when times are hard and we don't understand. In quietness and trust will be our strength. My peace I give you, he whispers to our souls. See, peace in the end is a fruit of the Spirit that we receive through faith. It is a gift, but we must receive it and seek it. Peace does not just appear in the world, it is made. That's why Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are called to be peacemakers, whatever it takes. And we have seen many examples throughout history of people who have changed the world, overthrown nations and long-standing oppression through the use of peace as a weapon. One of you hearing my voice today may be another one of those great people in time. But every one of us is called to be a peacemaker in the world, to walk the way of peace by turning around and walking away from hate, from injustice, from prejudice, from oppression, and by walking towards forgiveness, grace, and mercy. So when we feel the need for revenge, can we take the time to pray and find a way to be loving, to model grace through forgiveness? Let the angry person on the road go ahead of you and smile instead of an inappropriate gesture and yelling. Cry for the people who wantonly take another's life instead of joining the call for anger and revenge. Don't look around and see only the war and the conflict and the hate. Yes, it's still out there, just like it has been for many years. Look with the eyes of peace. See the promise of peace that's all around us, the, the evidence that there are peacemakers. And we can walk the way of peace, the promise given to us so long ago in the face of that newborn king, the Prince of Peace. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, America's 
first great poet, wrote our closing hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It was during the Civil War, and he was distressed by the lack of peace in the world and felt that the angels proclaiming peace on earth, goodwill to men, to the shepherds, was a mockery of the reality of life. But as he wrote his famous poem, he realized that it is only through faith, through the birth of Christ, that we can have true peace. Jesus shows us the way to peace, and we must choose to walk the way. So look around this Christmas. See those moments when we can choose peace and bring peace to the world. Be peacemakers in a world that is full of war and hate. It's great to have institutions and organizations that work for peace in the world, but if we as people of faith truly walk the way of peace, we won't need just another peacekeeping force. We will be a peacekeeping force by being the peacemakers. And there will truly be peace on earth that brings goodwill to all. Amen.